Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's go to Joshua chapter 14, please. Joshua chapter 14. The song reminds us of when we see our Savior, we will know him by those nail prints in his hands, the great sacrifice and the blood that was shed so that we might have redemption of our sins. Thank you for that beautiful number. I appreciate that. Well, all this week we have been going through and taking a look at a character in the scriptures by the name of Caleb. And as we've been doing that, we have been focusing on the theme of claiming mountains for God's glory. And as you have begun your career here at Maranatha, some of you, uh, starting it this year, others of you, this is going to be your final year, perhaps your final semester, we mentioned that you are going to face some obstacles in life. And those obstacles will be designed and used by God to uh, be something that he wants to use in your life to bring honor and glory to him. We've got to make the choice as to how we are going to allow our lives to uh, respond when we have uh, these different types of mountain situations, these difficult times that come into our lives where we continue to hopefully press forward in our lives for the praise of His glory. And as we have gone through, we have looked, and uh, we want to take a, just a second here, and we want to review a little bit about uh, some things that we have already looked at. And so uh, the first day that we looked at Caleb, we uh, started at taking a look at some of the marks of a mountain claimer. And the first mark that we had was an outstanding reliance on God's Word. There was this faith that Caleb had in the Word of God. As they were going in to conquer this land, he wasn't doing it because he felt like it. He wasn't doing it because he just kind of thought it was the right thing. This is what God had directed them to do. And even though there were others who were discouraging him and others who chose not to obey, Caleb exemplified an outstanding reliance on God's Word. Now, we had a little bit of a quiz the other day in chapel. Um, Hopefully, the same ones are here that answered it. I'm going to at least give you the option because I did bring candy today, uh, and I'm not going to throw it, okay? Uh, But if you will see me after chapel, uh, I do have some candy for you. And uh, the first one that we talked about as far as a reliance or a faith on God was what? I don't even remember who raised their hand for the first one uh, the other day. Do you remember if you were the first one? If you were, there you are, okay. Oh, you wasn't, you, you wasn't the first one. Uh, you weren't the first one. That was my bad. She said it right. I didn't. Okay, so just give me one. Very good. It was founded on God's word. And uh, Caleb knew the commands, knew what God wanted them to do. And so his reliance on God's word was founded on God's word. What was the second one? Yes, ma'am. Were you one of them? Oh, okay. Good. I bought extra candy. So if you were one of the three at the beginning, uh, Tuesday, I guess it was, you can still come see me too. Just be honest. Okay. Very good. Was focused on God's word. Everybody else began to look at the giants, began to look at uh, those huge foes that were in front of them, but Caleb stayed focused on God's word. So it was founded on God's word, focused on God's word. And the last one, yes, ma'am. Oh, sorry. Yes, ma'am. Yes, you. Very good. He was faithful to God's word. 
And uh, we, rem- we remembered as we looked at Caleb that he was dependent on God's word. He relied on it, and, and he just didn't do it periodically. He was faithful to it. And uh, so we looked at the reliance on God's word. And then yesterday in chapel, we took a look at the fact that those who are going to be mountain claimers for God, they have an outstanding reverence for God. Uh, there's not this flippant attitude, casual nature toward God, but they, they understand who God is as he presents himself in the scriptures, and so there is this reverence of God. And we said that uh, there were three areas that we looked at yesterday concerning reverence for God. Can somebody tell me one of them? Yes, sir. All right, reverence for his name or his person. Understanding who God is. Can I just stop here and, and kind of reemphasize this? It's not a reverence for who we think or who we want God to be. It's a reverence for who God is as he presents himself to us in the scriptures. There are a lot of people who want to revere a God that they want him to be, and they make God a a, a figment of their imagination. And what I mean by that is they don't take the the selfie, as I talked about yesterday, that God gives to us in the Scriptures where God says, here I am, I want you to know me, and I'm going to reveal myself to you. They kind of pick and choose what they want God to be. And we can't do that. There has to be a reverential awe for the entire person of God as he has presented himself to us in the scriptures. And so it demands an outstanding reverence for God, and uh, that means we understand his person. That does involve his name because um, some of the attributes that we know about God, they are revealed to us. He reveals himself through his names and, and reveals some attributes and characteristics about himself to us through his names as they are presented to us in the scriptures. Second one was what? An outstanding reverence for his person and for his, yes, ma'am, second row. Okay, for his power. That was the third one that we looked at, but we'll take it. Uh, Understanding the power of God. And Caleb had seen the power of God put on display throughout his lifetime in a number of different ways. And as he stepped back in this situation, he said, you want to know something, that God who defeated Pharaoh, that one who divided the Red Seas, uh, God can do this by giving us this mountain. God promised that he was going to give this to us. He was going to fight for us. Let's just claim the promise of God. And so he had an outstanding reverence for uh, the power of God. And then I already alluded to the second one. Does anybody have it? Yes, sir, over here. Very good, the promise of God. He knew God's promise to give them the land, and so uh, he claimed that promise and had an outstanding reverence for the promise of God. Today, let's go back to our text of Scripture in Joshua chapter 14. And as we look at Joshua chapter 14, we're going to begin reading again at verse 6 and read down through verse 14. We've already read this, but just to kind of refresh our memories on what is taking place here. Joshua chapter 14 and verse 6, this is Caleb coming to Joshua, issuing a request to him, and uh, he is going to recount these events that took place back in Numbers chapter 13 and Numbers chapter 14. Verse 6, he says, Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless... My brethren, that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. 
And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years. Even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain. Whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh Hebron for the inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron... Before was Kirjath Arba, which Arba was a great man among the Anakims, and the land had rest from war. Next truth that we are going to learn from this passage of Scripture concerning uh, concerning, uh, mountain claimers comes from three phrases that we read in this passage of Scripture, but it's not the only place that we see it. And so for sake of time, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to take a look at that phrase as it is given to us elsewhere concerning Caleb. You know, if you were to describe the person Caleb, as we read about him in Scripture, I think there are two words that we could take and we could use to sum up who Caleb is as we take a look at them in the Scriptures, and I put them in these two words. I describe Caleb this way, that Caleb was all in. There was, there was no doubt as to what direction Caleb was going. There was no doubt as to who Caleb was following. Caleb was all in. And we see it in these descriptions that are given to us in the Scriptures. Back in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 24, uh, the Scripture reads this way, But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully. This is God's testimony of Caleb. And God says, you want to know what I want you to be aware of, even you and me as we read the Scripture, thousands of years separated from this instance? He says, I want you to remember this about Caleb, that Caleb was all in. He followed me fully. God just doesn't say that once and record it for us in the Scriptures once. He records it for us again in Numbers 32 and verse 12, where he says this, Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. He was all in. And this is the testimony that Caleb has for his God and in his relationship with his God. We go on and we get to Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 36, and as Moses is recounting some history, he says this in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 36, save Caleb, he shall see it, talking about the land of promise, he shall see it because he hath wholly followed the Lord. Now, I want you to put yourself kind of in this situation. Because if you understand Deuteronomy, uh, Moses is speaking to a generation that grew up basically in the wilderness. As these spies went in and they, they spied out the land, the ten spies gave a negative report. And, and uh, because of their disobedience, 
Anyone 20 years and older was not going to go into the promised land. And so as they're getting ready to come in here in Deuteronomy, a majority, if not all of them, have passed off the scene at this time. And Deuteronomy is Moses sharing the law, the commands of God, with that generation who is uh, under 20. And he reminds them about this. He reminds them that Caleb and Joshua were going to go into the promised land. Could you imagine being one of those who perhaps were still alive at this point and remembering? Could you imagine if you were one of those spies and remembering, I had the opportunity to be a mountain claimer for God, but I didn't have a reverence for God's person. I didn't rely on God's word like I ought to. And as Caleb's name would have been brought up, perhaps there would have been that sense of disappointment. But Caleb, he was defined and described by God as someone who has wholly followed the Lord. He was all in. We go on and we get to Joshua chapter 14 and verse 8, what we read today, and we see this. In Joshua chapter 14 and verse 8, Caleb is talking to Joshua and he says this, But I wholly followed the Lord my God. In verse 9, he says, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. In verse 14, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. What do we learn from the life of Caleb? We learn that Caleb was all in. There was a commitment that was there. And so let's take a look and answer this question this morning. What can we learn from these verses about Caleb? A lot of repetition in these verses, but what can we learn? And so I, I, I honed in, I focused on those words holy and fully. What can we learn from those? Well, I think we learn from the life of Caleb uh, a couple of truths as God gives us this testimony concerning Caleb. We, fit, we realize this today as we continue to go on. We see that the, one of the marks of a mountain claimer is that they have an outstanding response for God. They have an outstanding response for God. Caleb was standing as a representative of God back in Numbers chapter 13 and verse 14. And because he had that reliance on God's word, because he had a reverence for God, and because he had this desire to claim mountains for God's glory, Caleb was able to have an outstanding or an unusual response for God. He stood in a place where he said, you want to know something? I'm going to stand and I'm going to respond for God. I think, I think as we look at Caleb's life, Caleb was the one who was willing to stand, whether it was in the midst of the dorms, whether it would have been in a locker room, whether it would have been at an activity here on campus, whether it would have been at his workplace. He would have sought to faithfully, fully, wholly been someone who was going to stand and give the response that God wanted him to give. And so one of the marks that we see of a mountain claimer is that the mountain claimer is someone who is going to have an outstanding response for God, where they are going to be willing to represent that God that they revere, that God whose word they respect, and that they are depending on. They are willing to have an outstanding response in their life for God. What does that involve? Well, I think we learn this. We see that it demands, first of all, a concentration. In other words, Caleb had a fixed attention. And Caleb's fixed attention was on living in a way that would allow people to be able to see that he wanted to obey God's commands. He had this fixed attention. 
Going back to Numbers chapter 13, as those spies came back, it said that the ten spies made the heart of the people melt. You want to know what happened to the attention of the people? You know what happened to the attention of those ten spies? It was turned away from God, but instead we see that Caleb has an attention that is fixed on God. Have you ever met someone who has a short attention span? All of us have probably met someone like that. In fact, uh, you maybe have already met someone like that in one of your classes. Maybe you've met someone like that and it's your, your, in your dorm room. They have this short attention factor. And there are these things that can very easily uh, distract them from the purpose that they are to be fulfilling. You know, one of the things that uh, I have enjoyed as my children get older is I have enjoyed uh, helping them learn how to drive. You know, one of the things that you have to do when you're learning how to drive is you have to have a certain amount of an attention factor. One of our children, I won't mention any of, her, uh, any of their names, but uh, uh, I won't, <laughs> sorry, uh, it, was a, uh, it was a girl in our family. As uh, she was learning how to drive, uh, we had to make sure that she had her attention fixed on the road. Because if she was talking and she began to look at you and you were in the passenger seat, the car would begin to wander that side of the road and you'd be like, hey, pay attention to the road. And she would be very easily distracted at times while she was driving. You know, being distracted can be dangerous. Certain occupations, certain jobs, uh, certain uh, tasks that you were doing, if you're not paying attention, boy, it could be dangerous. And I would propose to you that if we are going to be someone who is going to be a mountain claimer for God, we have to recognize that if we allow our attention to be distracted from the purpose that God has for your life and for my life, it could be dangerous. And so we have to have a fixed attention on our God. We have to have this concentration on what God is wanting to accomplish in my life. And young person, may I just remind you that God does have a plan and a purpose for your life? Jeremiah reminds us that God has a plan in our lives. That God has a purpose for our life and that he wants us to be someone who is going to be willing to submit to that plan and that purpose and that God wants good things for our lives. God wants our lives to be something that is going to point people to him. Part of, part of that purpose is given to us in two verses that often, uh, I'll say sometimes, maybe not often, sometimes the second verse is, is forgotten or neglected. But Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, you've probably heard it uh, quoted in your church or in different times when people are going through difficult situations. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. But verse 29 is what explains that purpose to us, and that purpose is this, and those he called, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Listen, you and I ought to have a concentration on the fact that what God is doing in our lives is God is seeking to conform us to the image of his Son, Jesus Christ. And everything else needs to fall secondary to that. Not that we completely ignore our job. We don't, in, we don't ignore our friends. We don't ignore our responsibilities here in this life. But you want to know something? We need to make sure that we keep at the forefront of our mind that God has a purpose in my life. And God is using this class. God is using this catastrophe in my life. God is using this cantankerous roommate that he put me in this room with this year. You know why? Because God is seeking to conform me to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Here is Caleb, who he has this concentration. 
And his concentration is on a very specific task. For Caleb, his concentration was on claiming that mountain. He was not easily distracted. You know, all this week, uh, I don't remember when it started, but uh, somewhere along the line, uh, Dr. Marriott brought up, Shorty's going to have to explain to us how he got his nickname. And some of you have been concentrating in the services just so you could hear how I got my nickname. In fact, I was talking with someone yesterday. We were walking up to the main building, and uh, when we got up there, the person said something similar to this. I'll paraphrase. Uh, She said something similar to this. Hey, did I miss it in chapel? Did you tell us how you got your nickname? And in my mind, I wanted to say, you little spy, you're trying to find out, so you can go tell everybody. But no, I didn't tell her that. But, uh, you know, uh, okay, so I'm going to tell you, okay? Uh, but don't, let you, don't lose your concentration, okay? And honestly, this is going to be kind of a letdown, okay? Because it's, it's no big story. But I was trying to use it, okay, to hold your concentration so that you would, you would listen to it. I, uh, my grandma gave me the name. And so we're going to move on, okay? And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, I, I, grew up in a family of, uh, I grew up in a family of three boys. I am the baby of the family, and uh, I was the shortest of all of the three boys, and so that helped. But not only that, uh, I uh, was shorter than everybody else my age. Uh, and so people at age two and three, you know how they are, you know, they begin to kind of come up with little sayings or nicknames. My grandmother didn't like it, so my grandmother started calling me Shorty, and it started to stick. And so it stuck with me when I got into, uh, you know, kindergarten through grade school. And then uh, I was telling somebody the other day, I went to a Christian school up until my seventh grade year, and it closed. Uh, and then my parents sent me to another Christian school for my eighth grade year, and it closed. And then uh, I went to another Christian school for my ninth grade year. It's still in existence today, okay? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, but uh, going through all of those transitions, the nickname Shorty just, just stuck with me. And I actually lived up to that name until the summer between my junior and senior year of high school. If you can imagine me about six inches shorter than I am right now, that's how tall I was as a junior in high school. I went away, I worked at a Christian camp, and during that time, I started to have some serious uh, growth pains. And uh, the reason why is because in a period of about four months, I grew six inches. And uh, I came back from uh, working at a Christian camp, and uh, I was looking at people who I had never done this before. I was looking at people in my class, eye to eye, finally. And, uh, but the nickname Shorty still stuck, and uh, came here to Maranatha, uh, for good or for bad, uh, it stuck. And uh, now, even still today, we will go to churches, and uh, for some reason, you know, the pastor may not put up a picture, but he'll be telling Evangelist Glenn Shank is coming, and they'll be doing that weeks before we'll walk in, and we've had graduates of Maranatha who I went to school with, and they said, oh, Shorty, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I'm preaching for meetings. No way! Your name is Glenn? Anyway, and so uh, that's, <laughs> that's how I got my nickname, okay? And uh, so now keep your concentration, okay? Listen, all of us can become easily distracted. It doesn't matter what spiritual, uh, what the length of the time that we have been saved It doesn't matter even necessarily some of the spiritual disciplines that we have in our lives, young person. All of us can get distracted, and it keeps us from having a right response for God if we don't maintain a focus. As Paul would put it in the book of Colossians, that we need to set our affections on things above 
not on things of this earth. And so many times we can get so distracted by the things of this earth that we forget to allow our attention, our concentration to be fixed on God. Some of you came to campus this year, whether you are a freshman or whether you are an upperclassman, and you're going to start out the semester with a laser-like focus. You want to get a certain grade in your class you want to be able to you know, uh, fulfill a certain assignment or, or you want to be able to be prepared for what God wants you to do in the future with the life that God has entrusted to you, keep that laser-like focus. Don't get distracted. I could take you and tell you about classmates that I had who as they went to the preacher boy classes, they trained in the biblical studies program or pastoral studies program, but in the midst of their education, they got distracted. They were offered money through a job. They were offered fame, popularity, something that would be easier to do than ministry. And as a result, they chose to get distracted. Now listen, I'm not saying that if you are here and you're not going into ministry that you're not doing what God wants you to do. Obviously, life is ministry. Young person, I don't want you to be dissuaded from fulfilling God's purpose in your life. Have a fixed attention on what God wants to accomplish in your life. So we see Caleb as one of the marks of a mountain climber. He had this outstanding response for God. What is it that caused him to have that outstanding response for God? Well, he displays a a, a concentration, a fixed attention on what God had called him to do with his life. Second of all, we see this, an outstanding response for God is not only something that is going to involve displaying a concentration or fixed attention, but second of all, those who have this outstanding response for God, they display completeness. And that idea of those words fully or holy is this idea of completeness. It was a full dedication. Again, I'm not saying that Caleb was perfect. I'm not saying that he never made a right choice, that he never got distracted. But what I am saying this, the overarching characteristic of his life is that he was able to have this outstanding response for God because he had this fixed attention on God, but there was a full dedication to it. He was convinced as to what God wanted him to do. And he said, you know, God has given us this task, and I'm dedicated to this. This is what God has called me to do. Yeah, I know there are 10 other people who are saying we shouldn't do this. And not only that, but they convinced the congregation of the people of Israel not to do it. You remember I read as we were going through that passage of Scripture, and I said I found it kind of humorous that that, uh, they were going to stone him with stones because what else would you stone somebody with, you know? He was so dedicated to this task, to this this mountain-claiming opportunity that God was giving to him, that he was willing to give his life to accomplish the task that God had called him to do. He was fully dedicated. Young person, how much opposition is it going to take for you to keep from accomplishing what God wants to accomplish in your life? Is it going to take a little bit of a smirk? Is it going to take a little bit of criticism? Is it going to take a little bit of laughter? A little bit of mocking? Some of you have already faced that. I remember when I was coming to be a student here, and I would go back in the summer, and people would ask me what I was doing, and uh, I told them I was training for the ministry, and and, uh, I served as an interim youth pastor a summer or two when I was home, and people would ask me why I was doing that, and I would tell them because that's what I believe God wants me to do. And I had people laugh in my face. 
I had people try to talk me out of it because there were better financial opportunities out there. There were bigger and better things that I could accomplish with my life, but I was convinced this is what God wanted me to do. And young person, there were times where I began to question and I began to think, Lord, is there something else you want me to do? But, But God kept bringing me back the fact that this is the purpose that God has for my life, and and we need to be fully dedicated to it. If you are going to be a nurse or a doctor, be the best nurse or doctor that God God has called you to be. And don't let people dissuade you from that. You're going to be in the area of business. You're going to be in in the area of education, the area of missions, whatever it is. Do that and be fully dedicated to the task that God has called you to do. And Caleb exemplified full dedication. And so as we take a look at Caleb's life and we see that he has this outstanding response for God, we see this level of dedication that wasn't there in the lives of others. You know, this isn't the only instance in Scripture where we find this. We go a little farther on in the scriptures and we come to Daniel chapter 3 and we have a story of three guys that we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and they hear this music that is playing. They're supposed to bow down and worship this image that the king had set up, this image of himself. They were to bow down and worship. They chose not to. Well, the king brings them before him, and, and I don't know if it's because he kind of had, you know, uh, he, he was you know, like them or simply because they were in the leadership position that they had. And he says, you know, guys, I'm going to give you a second chance. When you hear this orchestra playing, you're going to have a chance to bow down and worship this idol just as I commanded you to. And they look at the king and they said this, know this, O king, our God is able to deliver us. And whether he chooses to do that or not, you want to know something? We are fully dedicated to him. Young person, what I can promise you is this, is if you are going to claim mountains for God, there are going to be opportunities that you're going to have to stand, and you're going to have to show and respond with a a confidence of full dedication to God. It may cost you your job, and not just your job, but it may cost you your career. It might cost you your financial comfort. It might mean that you might have to give up some of the things that you currently enjoy in your life. But but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said this, you want to know something? You can take our homes, you can take our possessions, you can even take our lives, but know this, we are fully dedicated to God. Because whether God chooses to spare us or not, it doesn't matter. We're going to be faithful to Him. And God calls on us to be his representatives to this culture. We are ambassadors of Christ, and we need to have this outstanding response for Christ where we demonstrate full dedication, not a partial commitment, but instead a full dedication to our God. All of us would love to be able to sit here, me stand here and say, you want to know something? When that time comes, I am ready and prepared. Can I give you an example of someone who thought he was prepared as well? His name is Peter. Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, before this night is over, you're going to deny me three times. Can I, be, can I caution you about a couple of things? I want to caution you, first of all, about pride. Pride will keep us from evidencing a full dedication to God. And Peter responds in a prideful way to Jesus Christ. The one who Peter had looked at earlier and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He now looks at him and says, oh, you're wrong. That's not going to happen. I've got this. 
I will never deny thee. Though everybody else leaves and runs, I won't deny you. His pride got the better of him. And pride will keep us from having that full dedication. You read on in the scriptures and we find that the disciples are in the garden and Jesus takes Peter, James, and John farther into, farther into the garden. As he's there, he says, guys, I want you to, to pray with me. And Jesus goes on a little farther and as he's praying to his father, he comes back. And what are Peter, James, and John doing? They're, they're sleeping. Pride will get the better of us and cause us to not be fully dedicated, but I would propose to you as well, prayerlessness will contribute to that. Young person, the college was one of the best experiences of my life because it taught me the importance of prayer. Because though I had staff that were around, though I had faculty that were around and I can go and talk to, and my parents were a phone call away, I could call and I could talk to God at any time. And I learned the value of prayer as I saw God do things in my life. I saw God do things in the lives, uh, a life of my family members. I've seen God do the, I saw God do work in the lives of teenagers and young people in the church that we were at. And I saw him answer prayers even uh, uh, for students in the student body. And it, it, prayer became real to me. But you know, even beyond that, there are times where we get into the habit where we can neglect spending time with God. Don't let prayerlessness be something that's going to cause you to become weakened spiritually and lose that full dedication to God. Pride, prayerlessness, and the last one was this. This is when the pressures came. You remember Peter's there around the fire, and people are like, hey, you, you were one of his followers. Who, me? <laughs> no, you got the wrong guy. And he denies him. You know why? Because the pressure finally comes on. He wasn't prepared for the pressure. Why? Because his pride had gotten the better of him, and he was powerless without prayer. So, young person, I want you to understand it's something that could happen to all of us, but this demands a full dedication. If we are going to have this outstanding response for God as we seek to claim mountains for His glory, claiming mountains for God requires an outstanding response for God. We see that that demands concentration. It demands completeness, but finally this morning, I want us to notice this. It, it, uh, we ought to display constancy. What I mean by that, and that whole F, and the whole words again of fully and holy, Caleb's goal and what he evidences is that he wants to have a faithful obedience to God. Caleb was not looking for some sort of uh, different mountain to claim. This was the place that God told them that they were going to claim. And he said, you want to know something? I'm ready to do it. At age 40, I'm ready to do it. But then we come to this passage of Scripture that we're reading in Joshua chapter 14, and, and here he is 45 years later, and he's coming to his friend Joshua, and he says, Joshua, I'm ready to go in and claim this mountain. Caleb never lost that attention on what God had wanted him to do. And for 40 years, he was still attentive. He was dedicated. And he comes to his friend Joshua, and he says, Joshua, I can't wait any longer. It's time to obey. Let me go in and claim this mountain that God promised to me. And he has this outstanding response for God. And he chooses to faithfully obey him. We go back to the Old Testament again, and we come to a man by the name of Daniel. Daniel, we don't know exactly what age. Scholars will throw out different ages. That, that vary some. But uh, Joshua, or excuse me, Daniel, when he is younger, he is taken from his home. He's taken from his homeland, his comfort zone. He's taken to Babylon. He's in a whole different world. And from that point, 
Daniel begins to display this faithful obedience. He was not going to eat the king's meat that was being offered to him. And as you follow Daniel's life and his ministry, we see that he is faithful. Whether it is interpreting the dreams, he goes and he asks God for prayer. And when, he, it takes the, when God reveals it to him and he reveals it to the king, he gives God the glory. He says, I'm not God. I can't translate this dream. But the God that I know, he is able to give me the answer. And he gives glory to God. And he's faithfully obeying God. By the time we get to Daniel chapter 6, he's not a young whippersnapper anymore. In fact, he's a lot older. And the men who are seeking to get rid of Daniel, they know something about him. They know the only way that they're going to trap Daniel is in his faithful walk with his God. His faithful obedience to God. And I think they knew what Daniel was going to do. Hey, let's say that, uh, let's get the king to be convinced that nobody else can be prayed to or praised other than him, and we'll get Daniel that way. And the Bible says that Daniel went back to his room, and he opened up his windows, and he began to pray as he had done before or aforetime. Daniel had a habit of being faithful to his God. Young person, this is a great time of your life. To, to continue, if you've already started, and if not, to start exemplifying and living a life of faithful obedience to God. You ought to be representing in your room, you ought to be representing in your classes, if you are going to be on a sports team, a drama team, you're going to be uh, doing some sort of fine arts, you're going to be working a job somewhere, evidence a faithful obedience to God. Realize that if you have, if you have uh, received employment by some uh, place here in town, realize that there is the chance that that came as a result of students who came before that evidenced a faithful obedience to God. And they knew that when they were getting a student from Maranatha to come and work, that they were not just going to slough off. They were going to work hard. They were going to be faithful. They were going to do the best that they could because they wanted to give a testimony of their God. And they had an outstanding response for God. God is looking for this congregation of people, and myself included. God is looking for us to give a faithful response for him. And I want to encourage you this morning, as we take a look at the life of Caleb, to be a young man or to be a young lady, uh, someone who is going to uh, display constancy, a faithful obedience to God. Again, you're not going to be perfect. Boy, you have the outstanding testimony that you want to be someone who faithfully obeys God's word because you have a love for God. You have that reliance on God's word. You have a reverence for God's person. And you want to put on display who your God is for his glory. And when those mountains come into your life, those difficult times come in to your life, you want to have an outstanding response for God and claim those mountains for his glory. I ask you this question as we close this morning, and it is this. Are you known as someone who is all in for God? You might look at me this morning and you say, you know, I can't say that I'm known as someone who is. Maybe you're here and you say, you know, I'm known as someone who was all in for God. I've kind of sloughed off. I've gotten lazy. I haven't showed that dedication that God wanted, wants me to display. I haven't been doing that. Guess what? That can be changed today. You can get back on that right course of demonstrating and putting on display that concentration, that completeness, that constancy, and be faithful to God and have an outstanding response for him. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, I've never had that reputation. 
that can change as well. And God can begin to do a work in your heart, in your life, and and God can begin to give you the grace that is necessary to be able to have a life of constancy, completeness, and concentration on Him so that people will be able to see you not for your glory, not for your praise, not for your advancement, but for His. Remember, we're talking about claiming mountains for God's glory. God will give you the grace to be able to do that so that as you face those difficult times, People will be able to say, you want to know something? That person's all in, and they're doing it for God's glory. Are you known as someone who is all in for God's glory? Caleb, the testimony that God repeats six times, as Caleb's name is brought up in the Old Testament, is this. He wholly or fully followed the Lord his God. Caleb was all in. Will you have that kind of testimony, that kind of reputation, that kind of characteristics, uh, characteristics to be able to be said about you from God himself. May God be able to find in this room young people, staff, faculty, the speaker, that we are all in, holy, fully following the Lord our God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to be able to be challenged from your word. Thank you for this example that you give to us in Caleb. Father, I pray that you would help us this morning to consider where we are in this idea of being all in for you. Some have tried to be all in in the past, and they've kind of given up. They've been defeated, and so they've just kind of thrown in the towel. I pray that this might be an encouragement to them this morning to get back into claiming mountains for you, seeking to be faithful, have their attention fixed on you, being dedicated to you, and obeying you. Lord, I thank you for the many students who are here, and their prayer, their desire, they would humbly respond, I really want that to be my testimony for Christ, is that I am all in for God. Lord, I pray that this might be an encouragement to them. Lord, I ask that you would help those who are discouraged, that they might not lose heart, but that even this morning they would be willing to call on you, to depend on your grace, so that they might be someone who, when the time comes, they'd be able to give an outstanding response for you for your glory. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, again, we're not going to have a come forward invitation, but you're sitting there this morning and you'd say, you know, Shorty, as you were preaching this morning, God challenged me about this idea of being all in. If I were to describe my life, I'd say I've been kind of hit and miss, a periodic kind of Christian. Boy, when difficult times come in, I really find myself balking at how I'm going to respond, if I'm going to respond wholly and fully following after God. And God convicted me about a specific area of my life. Again, I'm not speaking generalities here, but specific area of your life. And maybe you need to be willing to confess to God this morning. Maybe you need to be willing to ask God to say, God, I know there's this relationship. I know there is this habit that I have in my life. And God, I don't want to let that defeat me anymore. I want to claim this mountain for God, this specific area for God. And the next time I have the opportunity, God, I'm asking you for the grace Help me to respond, to have that outstanding response for you, that evidence is a fixed attention, full dedication, faithful obedience to you, that I'm all in. God spoke to your heart in a specific area this morning. You'd say, Shorty, would you pray for me? Would you slip up your hand this morning? Again, I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you, but I would like to be able to pray for you. Good, you may put those hands down. Father, thank you so much. The fact that you give to us in your word truths that are applicable to our lives today. And Father, I pray that you would be with 
the students, the staff, the faculty who raised their hands this morning. God, I pray that you would help each of us, myself included, that when the time comes, we'd be able to have that outstanding response for you, that we would evidence to those who are around us that we're all in. Lord, when we fall short of that, I'm so thankful for your mercy and your grace and that you are willing to faithfully forgive. Lord, those who perhaps have, even already this year in the school year, this week, they have found that they haven't responded in the right way, I pray that they'd be willing to seek your forgiveness, claim your cleansing, and Father, by your grace, as they depend on it, they would make the right choice to represent you well and to to, uh, give that outstanding response for you. Father, we love you. We ask for your blessing as we go throughout this day, and even as we go throughout this day, May we evidence an all-in attitude that we want to serve you and claim mountains for your glory. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.